Welcome to the podcast. Today, we look into the deep state. What is actually going on there? Glenn has all the background information and a lot of stuff that was said on the show uh, before. It's turning out to uh, be accurate. We'll get into the the details there. Uh, We find out from CNN as well that apparently... Uh, no one's ever seen anything like talk radio this time around. They've never seen people so critical of Joe Biden, and there's no equivalent on the uh, other side. There's no one who's just, like, criticizing Donald Trump over every little thing that he does that does not exist. We'll uh, get into that. Um, new stuff on COVID-19 and hydroxychloroquine is in today's show. Elon Omar, uh, she's. we're at the point now, you can read the story on The Blaze, but it looks like all of this stuff has kind of come come through as least as close as we can possibly track it. There's not much more we can do on the journalist, uh, journalistic side. You kind of now need to go to the legal side of this particular equation. And what is going on with the economy? Uh, how much money are we pumping into this thing and how long will it continue? All of that on today's program. You can go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. That'll save you 10 bucks off your subscription. And uh, it'll give you access to shows like Stu Does America, which is on every single night on the Blaze. Uh, you can get it there or you can get it on YouTube. Just search for my name, Stu, and uh, you, I'll be the first show there. You can also subscribe to this podcast and Stu Does America right here in your podcast app. Please do that. Rate and review us. Five stars, the appropriate number of stars. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Brian Stelter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God, I know he's going to be he's going to be talked about on every talk show in America today. Yeah. If you don't know who he is, congratulations. You shouldn't. And I hate to even bring this up because it's it seems self-serving or it uh, it's like, uh, well, of course. But this is an example of somebody that is so self unaware. He he must not even see his reflection in mirrors yeah he must be invisible to himself yes uh i want you to listen to what he said on reliable was it reliable sources is that what he does or what's the name yeah, of the yeah I reliable think that's what it is on reliable sources on cnn with brian stelter listen to this when you see um entire media companies essentially exist to tear down joe biden is there an equivalent to that on the left tearing down trump (laughs) Uh, there there really isn't and you know what i would say it's it's really a diet of of this type of information that Mm. a lot of these voters are getting a lot of the voters that i talk to i can uh you know when i interview them i do hear uh, them saying a lot of the talking points that sound very familiar from, from some of these shows, which I try to listen to when I'm out on the campaign trail or when I'm yeah. at home, uh, you know, watching TV. You know, you can you can hear these uh, these comments being echoed uh, by, by voters. That's one of the most mind numbing uh, questions and answers uh, of all time. It, it, it proves a Brian Stelter doesn't even watch his own network nor his own show. Otherwise, he wouldn't be asking that question. All right, so any other network is similar to Fox News that would that would uh, uh, that, that would bash uh, Trump the way uh, Fox bashes Biden? 
Are you incredible? Kidding me? It's not even close. We, you guys, we we haven't. Uh, Sarah, can you go to the Daily Wire and see their story on Brian Stelter and and pull up the clip that that uh, uh, Ben Shapiro uh, pulled? Because it, it, it is, it's even more outrageous than this. It, it really is more outrageous than this. I thought this was the clip that we had, where he opens it up and he starts to talk about how. You know, there is I want to tell you uh, something that psychiatrists and psychologists uh, and political scientists have now pointed out. There is a, a condition to where people um, hate the other candidate so much that they hate those people more than the truth itself. And I thought, oh, he's. He's going to do an expose on CNN uh, in the mainstream media. Uh, And he said, and this is what's going on. It's unbelievable. You will not believe what's happening on talk radio. This is a a center of hate that is just poured out over the nation every day. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, And it's 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 I, I heard this this morning and I thought this is the seeds that are now being planted to get rid of talk radio. If Joe Biden wins, we're gone. We're gone because we're just nothing but hate mongers. We have escaped this this eye of death, the eye of Moloch, if you will, because Donald Trump has has taken all the oxygen out of the room. As soon as Donald Trump is no longer there, it's talk radio again is going to be the big boogeyman. I really just can't imagine the level. It's incomprehensible to me that you'd think what they describe is going on. I mean, like for I think, honestly, Joe Biden has had the easiest road of any candidate in my lifetime from the right. About the only thing we've we've pointed out is that he might be going senile. He's like old, and we've expressed actual we concern over yeah, it. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. We have not lobbed hatred at not him. Not at all. We have we have actually lobbed facts against him. We can't get anybody to be uh, interested in the dealings in China or the dealings in Ukraine. You can't get anybody interested in that. Yeah. Nobody is interested. Everybody, everybody just feels sad mm-hmm. uh, ab- about Joe Biden. And quite honestly, I think we worry about who's really going to be running the country. And they would be saying that, too, if they just weren't in bed uh, with the Democratic Party. Right. They would absolutely be saying the same thing. Uh, can somebody question him on whether he's all there? Because it looks as though he's sliding. Any reasonable person would say that. And, and Democrats obviously see that as well. They just don't like Trump. And this is what it's been. It's been all an election about Trump. Biden has, has skated from almost all criticism. We, we, yeah, we've done, sh- we've done shows months ago about, about his corruption in China and Ukraine. And you're right, Glenn. It's hard to get people interested in it. I mean, uh, we, I just, we, we did a thing on Studios America about Biden's eulogizing a KKK member. Right. Like why that hasn't mm-hmm. been all over conservative media. How is it possible in the middle of this moment that that in this close to an election that hasn't been out there? We barely even talked about his policies. Yeah, barely. Awful. Yeah. Well, you were just Pat was just talking about what was it? Four trillion dollars. Four trillion dollars. Yeah. And tax increases is what he's proposing. Four trillion dollars. Has that been even talked about? This guy's no. faced almost no scrutiny. The only scrutiny he's received is his age. 
and how old he is. And I think that's been general, to be fair, split between laughing at how pathetic he is when he's on stage and screwing up all the time and feeling legitimately like this doesn't feel right. Somebody should stop this. It's like weekend at Bernie's, like not Mm -hmm. even in a joking way, but like in a, I actually feel like worried Mm -hmm. about his, his health way. And worried about the country, but really, I think it's the human emotion of, man, I feel bad for him. You see the slipping. That nobody in his family, nobody who loves him is going to pull him out and say, enough of this. Stop it. He's given his whole life. You don't need to have him go out this way. Uh, I mean, it's it's remarkable what what is uh, what's happening. And, you know, you know, Stu, you said, I think he's in your lifetime. I'm trying to think of a Democratic president or candidate that has gotten an easier pass. I mean, even Bill Clinton had to finally answer questions during the first campaign. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say the uh, Pat, you would know. I think it's Jimmy Carter who got a pass. I think, yeah. 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 The, it, the last one that really it, didn't get, you know uh crucified i think jimmy carter the thing was really this guy i mean nobody hated him no it's just that the economy was in such a sad state of affairs that no i mean at the end for him at the end yeah different than in the end than the first yeah i'm thinking 76 76 nobody yeah he got nobody yeah yeah, there wasn't a hatred for him and and i would say the same thing that's that is probably one of trump's biggest obstacles here is that there's just no passion against joe biden the passion is either for trump or against trump there's no passion for on either side really of biden where with clinton he had legitimate passion people couldn't stand her they couldn't stand barack obama they couldn't stand al gore like I think it goes all the way back to preceding talk radio. I mean, you point out Carter; it's before really talk radio is any force in this country. Oh yeah, I mean, for sure. you have to go way before it. No one has ever seen anything like this, and for them to make that point at this time when CNN is essentially a network that runs nonstop anti-Trump stories. Yeah, absolutely, they accused him of peeing on hookers in Russia. <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> ran that story as if it was a real. I mean, the, but I mean, it's it's, right. it's it's and it's not even just these big ones. Where they also said, you know, that he was insane and the the it was a Thirteenth Amendment needed to be uh, implemented to take him out of office. Is it, no, 24th, 20, 20, 23rd, 20, 23rd. I don't know. I'm getting in the whatever 20s. it is, whatever it's it is, whatever one it is. I'm getting them all confused. The point being, though, that that's what they've done. That and these big splash stories that conservatives have noticed. But watch their coverage on a routine basis. Every single story comes back to this guy. They are completely obsessed with him. Completely obsessed. Watch, I dare you, because no one's done it in the past few years. Watch one episode of the Aaron Burnett show. It is all she talks about all the time. She's completely obsessed with this man. And every show on CNN replicates this idea. If it's a story about schools, it goes back to Trump. If it's a story about the economy, it goes back to Trump. There's nothing separate. If it's COVID-19, separate. It, it certainly, certainly goes Trump. back to Trump. Every single part. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they will recite the four or five things Donald Trump said in February and March where he kind of was dismissive. None, no one in their audience knows that Nancy Pelosi said the same stuff. No one in their audience knows that Andrew Cuomo and, and Bill de Blasio said the same and, stuff yeah, in some cases. No, right, yeah. No one ever talks about that on the network. They talk about Trump doing it. They are completely overwhelmed with him.
Yes. They can't do anything else on the network. Like I've never seen before. Well, I've never seen gone, anything like it. Yeah. It's gone so far that they won't even recognize the Chicago murder rate is the highest it's been since like 1992. Uh, it, it is last July. They broke all records. The biggest, deadliest month since 1992. And only slightly more deadly than June 1992. It's the, the yeah. s- since Floyd's death, some of the most violent days in the 20 years of official data. So, no, mm. you won't talk about that. And if you do, it's Trump. It's Trump. They have come, they've come to such an extreme position to where they won't even condemn violence. There was a story in the New York Times uh, this weekend about the protesters in uh, in um, uh, Antifa and the riots in Portland. And I've never seen anything like it. I mean, literally never seen anything like it. It was like a fashion show spread. It, it had these people um, in their regular everyday life. Uh, you know, a guy sitting on a lawnmower. And then the next picture is him all in his Antifa gear. Mm. And it was showing you, see, these are just normal people. They didn't do that with the Tea Party <laughs> who were sitting around making signs with, with glitter with their kids at a kitchen table. But they are, they are doing it uh, with Antifa and people who are radicals who want to destroy the Western way of life. It's, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. It's absolutely nuts. And on, that, on the Trump part of this, that Portland was under siege for weeks and weeks and months. Mm-hmm. And they never talked about it at all. It wasn't until Trump got involved by sending in federal troops that they got interested in the story because they could blame Trump for it. Remember, they kept saying their coverage on that was not that they were trying to light a federal building on fire for weeks and weeks and weeks. No, it was caused by cameras because he sent yeah. troops there. And they said, you know what? He sent troops there and that made it worse. Yeah. Like, it's the only thing that interests them about the news is Donald Trump's well, they're, relationship they're, to it. They're selling this as Portland is always, always been protest in Portland. That's just the way of life in Portland. Is it? Is it? Because ask the people of downtown Portland, the business leaders of downtown Portland, they've had enough and they supported these guys. They've had enough and it's happening in city after city after city. Businesses are leaving. I'm telling you, California is is economically going to collapse. It's going to collapse because they're hastening their ending by chasing mm-hmm. so many people out of the state. Do you know that they're now Newsom is now um, uh, saying that he may go after people who uh, homeschool or tutor their kids at home that he may he may he may actually mm. ban that and go after you if you're trying to teach your own kids at home it it is it is insane what's going on and of course brian stelter is on top of all of it because (laughs) that's just the way he rolls this is the best of the glenn beck program 
If you live in Texas, you may know uh, Rick Perry appointed him to the newly formed Texas Health Disparities Task Force, uh, and it was an advisory body, uh, blah, 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 blah. He was also asked to remain on the task force for seven years, received a meritorious service award from the Texas Department of Health and Human Services. His peers have elected him to serve as the county medical uh, society president for four consecutive terms. He served for 20 years at the local CBS uh, medical expert. I mean, the guy is well known uh, and well credentialed. I don't know what they're going to do to him uh, now because he says that he has found something that he thinks everyone should try if you have uh, a um, the symptoms of of covid. So. I wanted to give you what I was taking and I wanted to talk to uh, Dr. Bartlett. So if you are feeling anything uh, like it's coming on, you can ask your doctor about this. Welcome, Dr. Bartlett. How are you? Glenn, I'm doing great. Thanks. I'm honored to be with you. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for the uh, kind consultations and advice uh, that I know you've uh, given my doctor. Um, uh, is it possible that uh, with everybody in my family, I mean, I've got immune disorder, everything else. I should have been the first one to get it. Um, but as soon as soon as anybody in the family started to get things and I started to feel uh, down at all. I started the flight of medication that you have recommended, and I didn't get it. Is it possible that I was going to get COVID and didn't because of this? Or well, the bottom, bottom line, Glenn, is that uh, the testing has false negatives and false positives that have been proven over and over. And uh, I've had personal experiences of taking care of patients who initially test negative, and I'm treating them and they're getting better and then later they get a, a test after being treated for 11 days and their 90 percent of their symptoms are gone and it's positive well they they probably had it all along and we're seeing this over and over again where three people in the family have the same symptoms that started at the same time two tests positive one test negative they all have mm. it. Uh, it is symptomatology is what is the term where you look at the big picture you you, you use common sense you use medi- good medical judgment with your training and and you treat the patient you don't treat the test treating the right. test is killing people but i want to tell you uh this strategy that came to me was a was when i was looking for a stopgap measure that would help me save someone's life as an emergency room doctor because i also work in the emergency room and back in march uh we were told there was nothing to do wait until they have severe symptoms. As a matter of fact, they should not be helped at all if they have mild to moderate symptoms. Wait till they have severe symptoms. So me being an ER doctor and thinking, what am I going to do if someone comes in the emergency room with, the, with their loved ones and they say, I can't breathe? Because this is a respiratory inflammatory disease, COVID is, that causes people to have trouble breathing. And breathing is really important. I teach advanced problems. <laughs> You know, that seems intuitive, but people seem, you have uh, leaders right now, I don't know how they became leaders, but they're talking about waves and curves. How about medicine, science, facts, airway, breathing, circulation, the ABCs of CPR, of advanced trauma life support, of advanced cardiac life support. Breathing is fundamental. 
And uh, when someone can't breathe, this is what they look like. They, many times their lips are blue. You can see the panic in their eyes. You hear the panic in their voice. They might be confused because they're low on oxygen. And um, some people can tolerate that better than others. But we know that the comorbidities that are having trouble with COVID and dying are the people who have, uh, they have diabetes, they have, uh, they've smoked for 50 years, uh, they have a heart disease. And so they, their reserve and being able to handle low oxygen is less than someone else. And the, and the danger is they could die. And so uh, besides that, it's not just an inconvenience. What about empathy? What about alleviating human suffering? There's a place for that still in medicine. And just as a human, we don't want to see other humans suffer. But uh, there are some common sense, practical, pr proven uh, medical things that we can do. And so we know this is an inflammatory disease. How about an anti-inflammatory medicine? It's a respiratory problem in the lungs is where the inflammation is. How about putting the anti-inflammatory medicine to the source of the problem in the lungs with a inhaled Neb, uh, inhaled steroid, a, a nebulizer treatment of budesonide, which has been out for 25 years, which is being used by millions of Americans every day that are healthy to protect them from getting sick. And so that was a strategy that I've been using, and it's working. So the bucetonide is is something that you looked at and said, why are we giving steroids in a tablet form? We should be we should be getting that steroid directly into the lungs. Uh, and it is, if you get it early enough, it stops the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the cytokine uh, storms that happen. Because uh, we know that that is a big problem with this. The, the, our immune system goes into a storm and then it just spirals out of control. So if you're yeah. saying, wait, 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 you're in the middle of the storm. So this logic of waiting until someone is in distress and then helping them has never been employed successfully in American healthcare forever. We don't use that against the top three killers, heart attack, stroke, and cancer. Let's just say if someone called 911 and they said, I have slurred speech and I'm 65 years old, and um, I have smoked for 50 years, and all my family has strokes, you won't have the 911 dispatcher say, well, maybe you're overtired. Call us when you have severe symptoms. That's ridiculous, and I would never recommend that. That's bad medicine. But with this disease, we have a situation where the strategy that's been pushed on the American public is if you have mild to moderate symptoms, wait until you've got severe symptoms. Uh, and then seek help. But, you know, even when people have severe symptoms, because by and large people comply with what they're told, they have severe symptoms, they're short of breath, they go to the emergency room, and many times they're told, uh, take Tylenol, you, yes, you tested positive, and yes, you feel miserable, but you're not sick enough yet. Go home, take Tylenol, and tough it out. And when you get sicker, come back. That would be like uh, a real situation that I took care of, a one-year-old who swallowed a quarter. And the family brought the kid to the ER where I was working. I'm the one. And the, the child is not in immediate distress. But on the x-ray, I see a quarter uh, lodged in the throat. I could. This, this is how ridiculous things have gotten. 
I it would be like you don't give a one year old Tylenol they can't swallow. It'd be like me handing them a blankie uh, with a with a little unicorn on it and saying, "Take this child home, wrap it in the blankie, and sing its favorite song and keep it comfortable until you have severe symptoms." It's ridiculous logic. Uh, we need to take care of people early and and avoid. Uh, the things that are even more dangerous, like intubating a patient, which can so aerosolize and put them on a ventilator. What are you seeing as far as results on this? Oh, uh, oh! If you catch this early, I'm having. Uh, you can. I have one patient who, uh, with the first treatment, that's the only treatment he needed because it was within hours of his fever, chills, body aches. Uh, he had just been on a plane with with another person behind him that was COVID positive and he was concerned and, and rightfully so it, it turned out to be COVID, but one breathing treatment stopped all the symptoms. And I've had other patients who were sick for, well, one patient that has uh, two kinds of lymphoma, cancer in the blood. She just received radiation a month before and she's on chemotherapy currently for the mm. cancer. And for five days, she was flat on, on her back in bed with a nonstop fever, couldn't sleep. And she calls me on a Friday, says, my granddaughter tested positive. I heard you on the radio. Would you please help me? And so on that Friday, I call in the breathing treatments and the medicine. She takes her first treatment, sleeps all night long for the first time in five days. She's, her fever breaks. Over the weekend, she recovers. She's able to teach an eight-hour day of music lessons via Skype to her kids on Monday. And then she tests negative uh, twice after having becoming symptom-free. And so that's what I see. The people are telling me many times, I hear it very often, while they're getting their breathing treatment with budesonide, many times they tell me, my chest pain is going away. My shortness of breath is going away during the treatment. I feel much better right after the treatment. And this is not a medicine that I invented. I'm not looking for new, do- new patients. I'm not making any money off of this. This costs $3 for a breathing treatment. It's something you can, I recommend, people being treated early in every disease, including this life-threatening pandemic, with a medicine that's cheap, cost-effective. They can sit on their couch, watch Netflix, uh, and uh, for five minutes get a breathing treatment and get relief from their shortness of breath and chest pain. That seems like a good idea. It made all the difference to Tanya, I know. Um, she was. She would say that. She would take the breathing treatment. She'd say, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Uh, and she took it, I don't remember for how many days, but she took it for several days. Uh, and it dramatically improved uh, her breathing. Uh, and like I said, I started it the minute I started feeling any kind of symptoms. And I did it for three days, I think as well, four days. And I haven't had I haven't had any problems at all. I mean, it's been really, really miraculous. I want to talk to you a little bit about what people should ask their doctor uh, and and kind of go over what I uh, what I did. I think it's pretty much the same thing that Louis Gohmert is uh, is doing. Are you is he a patient of yours or so uh, Louis? uh, He's reached out to me uh, on my cell phone. I've had the privilege of talking to some amazing people who are real public servants, including Louis Gohmert. Uh, and so I've been shocked many times at who's reaching out to me on my cell phone. But uh, I'm not his doctor. Uh, he has uh, doctors that are taking care of doing excellent care. But they're using 
the strategy that I have recommended. And if someone yeah. goes to covidsilverbullet.com, covidsilverbullet.com, you can download the PDF, which talks about, you click on case study, and that talks about, Glenn, this would be interesting to you. I, I picked two patients uh, to highlight uh, salient points in, the, in my care of COVID patients and, and to, uh, to explain why I'm doing what I'm doing. And one of those patients was the one that uh, I described that had initially a negative test and then later tested positive. So it happens over and over again. This is not uncommon. Mm. Um, and, where, and there's reasons why. So you might want to look at that. But covidsilverbullet.com okay. has the strategy that I'm using. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Well, some things now are being discovered and were written about by uh, Harvey Rosenfeld uh, from the uh, cons- uh, Represent Consumers. And uh, he has pulled a blanket off of this that is pretty ugly and i want him to go over uh what he has uh, found and what's really happening to our data because it's now being used to score you harvey what does that even mean what it means is that a handful of firms uh deep in the shadows of the uh online marketplace are taking this the vast quantity of data that all of our devices spew not just our cell phones, but even our TVs and refrigerators and our cars, taking all this data and turning it through algorithms into a score that determines whether whether we're going to pay more than somebody else for the same product uh, at a hardware store, uh, whether we're going to get a job or or get an apartment or get into a college we want to get into. It means that some people who are scored are considered crooks because they return uh, merchandise that doesn't work uh, too often. It, it means that people who, some people just are going to get really bad customer service if you have a low score. These scores are, are developed by these shadowy firms. Nobody knows anything about the firms. Nobody knows anything about the scores. But they're purchased by some of the major retail uh, uh, brands and landlords and employers in the United States and secretly applied to to each of us. It's like it's like everybody knows about the credit score, but nobody knows about these secret surveillance scores. This is really terrifying. Um, a, how did you stumble across it? And uh, what do we do about it? Well, Represent Consumers is a, a nonprofit organization that is looking at the future and trying to figure out what it means for consumers. And it's very difficult to find information about it. You know, the, the Wall Street Journal, the, uh, the Washington Post, few other, uh, very few other papers in the country have uh, reported on this. So we, we did some research. My colleague Laura Antonini and I did some research. We, we submitted a massive petition, a 40-page report, to the United States Federal Trade Commission, urging them to investigate it in 2019. They didn't do anything. And uh, we recently wrote a, an op-ed in the Washington Post, which is getting a lot of attention. The, the, the point is that you can't, unlike the, your credit score, which at least the law requires you to, um, to be notified about, there is no requirement in the law now with respect to how this information is collected, it can be inaccurate, it could be unfairly biased against people, you can't contest your 
score. We call them the secret surveillance scores. You can't contest those scores. Uh, you don't even know who, what the company is that's uh, issuing the score. All you know is that one day you might try to return a product, and they will tell you, sorry, you can't return it because you've been flagged as a, a ba- basically, you've been flagged as a crook. So, so wait a minute. How, how do we know these companies are using it? Um, somebody's got to be writing the check for it. So why can't we find out who the company is? How, 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 are, they, how are they linking up with other companies? And I mean, they're buying something. How come we can't find the seller? Okay, so here's the, here's the problem, Glenn. Here's, here's what's happening in our marketplace right now. All of our devices are uh, uh, spewing torrents of our data. That can be the most intimate data. I mean, they know where we are. They know what we're doing. They know what our preferences are. They probably know something about, you know, uh, our romantic interests. They know about our health. All of this data is being collected, and it's widely available on the Internet. And, And there are companies called data brokers that purchase it and collect it. Then they sell our data to these companies that I mentioned, deep in the recesses of the marketplace, no, you've never heard of the names of some of these companies, and they have engineers who do nothing but take all that data and write algorithms that purport, supposedly predict what we're, how we're going to behave in the future. Are we going to be a good, quote, good consumer or bad consumer? Those scores are then marketed to companies, retail, uh, uh, clothing companies, uh, you know, hardware, hardware chains, uh, uh, colleges, people who are, you know, uh, uh, large corporations who are in tr- do a lot of hiring. Those folks want to know whether we're going to be good for them. So, for example, if some people may not hire you because your your score shows that you have to commute too far, or you may, or that the the score predicts that you won't stay at your job. So the so the the market starts off and with all of our data ends up in this single digit score that some company is applying to you and you don't know it because there's no requirement that they disclose it to you. You know, I have to tell you, this reminds me a lot of what Bill Gates was trying to do uh, with the eventual um, implementation of, of Common Core. He was looking for data to be able to say this person should be a gymnast, this person should be a mechanic, this person should be a doctor. And you'd gather all of this information over the years in school and you would be able to point them uh, in the right direction, really, from the first moment that they start to give that data uh, to the system. And it, it, it kind of takes away your, uh, you, you know, your own free will. And I know that's something that's being debated now on whether we will have free will or not, because we'll be so manipulated. It's not necessarily a problem that they collect this data and use this data. The problem is we can't get access to it. I don't. Right. Absolutely right. It's it's uh, there are no laws that protect Americans against the, the collection and use of our data in any way so that the at the end of the day this is a lot like as you point out i mean when i was a kid 
you know, we had to fill out a, I remember taking a test that was supposedly going to, an aptitude test to tell me what mm-hmm. I was going to be good at, right? Now we've got these yeah. faceless engineers behind in some Silicon Valley location, or could, they could be anywhere or overseas, and they're programming these algorithms that are, are, are supposed to predict with far greater accuracy our behavior as citizens, as consumers, as taxpayers. And as you probably know, you know, over in China, they, they have created something called the social credit system where the government actually scores people on whether they're loyal, whether they follow directions, whether they cross the street at, at, on a red light. I mean, that's in China, they've taken this on behalf and turns it into a part of the autocratic dictatorship that limits people's choices. Uh, here, here in the United States so far, it's all about it's just about uh, commercial enterprise. But, the, but obviously, it's a threat. So, Harvey, I don't want to get into politics at all um, with you, but I, you know that I'm a conservative and I always thought <laughs> I have always thought that those on the left and I don't mean the crazy Marxist. I mean, just the pe- my neighbors that are, you know, m- more liberal than I am, that that thought that the corporations are going to take over the world and everything else. I am worried about our government uh, and what it can quickly become. But I think I'm more worried about the corporations because they don't have any constitution to regulate them. So everything that they do, they could sell it to the government, give it to the government. They could just use it without the government even knowing or caring. And we're caught in this little game of theirs where they're trying to get us to do something buy something move somewhere do something you know what i mean it's it's really we become puppets in a play that we don't think we're even in well that's it it sounds a lot like the matrix doesn't it that movie it does it It, It does that's that's really the truth and and this issue transcends any kind of ideology all americans are united against the notion that uh, that uh, their information about them is being deployed like weapons against them by people who we don't even know and and the impact can be very harsh it turns it turns americans into second class citizens some americans who get low scores the uh, and and it really, uh, it really is inconsistent with, with what we think of as a free market, because now every, mm-hmm. every these scores treat every person as if they were their own market, and and the seller no longer has to sell to you if they don't like who you are. So, uh, Harvey, um, how do we a stop our information from going there, and what do we do to stop this? Well, I think you're, you pointed out the first problem, which is there's, we, have to, we have to have regain control over our information. And right now, all of, most of the, ref, quote, privacy reforms you hear about are sort of stuck in this outdated uh, 19th century contract law model. Well, mm-hmm. all they have to do is disclose what they're doing to us, and then we have to give consent to it. But we all consent every day when we buy something. You know, you click, I agree, and... Yes, I know you're going to do that when, you, when we go online to purchase something. So there have to be, basically, our data should be treated like our own personal property. And, and since right. it's, worth a, it's worth a lot of money to other people, if people want to use it and we want to give it to them, they have to pay for it. 
they have to actually give us yes. money and pay for it. So that's the first thing. Yes. The, the second, <coughs> excuse me. The second thing is all about um, using these sur- uh, secret surveillance scores. We cannot allow a society to develop, and it's already well on the way to this. That is based on engineers who we don't know drafting, coding is the word they use for it. These algorithms that actually judge us. And eventually, will uh, use, using artificial intelligence, these algorithms will be uh, able to outthink us and and purport to be uh, pr- mm-hmm. able to predict what's going to happen to each of us and, and whether we're going to be good people or bad people. And that's got to be exposed and it's got to be stopped. We have at least yeah because it least. depends on it depends on who's programming those algorithms. It can also not only judge us, but then it can also shape us to make us into a better citizen whatever the algorithm decides uh, that is. One quick uh, last question, Harvey. Um, the idea that, oh, this is just metadata. Uh, there's, there's no way to assign that. All of that is over because of how fast we can compute now, right? I mean, that's, they that's can totally tie correct. everything directly to a citizen, no matter that's what, right. no matter that's how right. big it is. That's right. They say it's all masked so nobody can figure out who you are. That's a lie. They know how to, they know who you are. They know what you're doing. They can connect all the dots. The algorithms are, help them do that. Amazing. Uh, thank you for being on this and l- would love to stay in touch with you, uh, Harvey, uh, because I am very concerned about big tech and what is happening with these companies. They are out of control. I'm not a guy that believes in uh, breaking things up, but I don't know what to do with these companies. This is the one place that I could say the founders never thought of. They never thought of a company becoming more powerful than the government. Uh, And it is very concerning. So anything you need and anything you want to alert people to, please reach out. We'll take advantage of that. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you. Uh 